take a deep breath Take the higher road That's what they always say As if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself Cause life ain't just a dream You make your own So kick and scream The people will like With a never ending force You never had the chance So what you waiting for The day has come my friend Cause this is war Am I afraid? Sometimes it can be terrifying, at least for a little while. But then I remember these people, these brave heroes. I have the privilege to stand here amongst giants, and each of these individuals followed in the footsteps of the one that came before them. Now you might say, that's not enough, but it's something. It's a start, story by story, brick by brick, one by one. I'm just one man, one person, and they have infinite power. But I'm not alone. I'm amongst friends. And I can do something. And if I can do something, I should do it. And if I should do it by the grace of God, I will do it. We have a First Amendment in this country. Every one of you have the power to be journalists. You have the right to expose them. Follow their example. Blow the whistle. Follow your conscience. Blow the whistle on your supervisors. Follow the example of this brave person inside the FBI who showed malfeasance in the Federal Bureau There's of Investigation. There's a number of very troubling things that are happening within the FBI. Project Veritas appears to be a victim of political undertakings. We don't see a lot of investigations into news organizations. It's truly an incredible amount of power if used wrong. I don't have a problem with people who believe that they're doing the right thing. I have a problem with people who are doing the wrong thing and they know it. Take your phones out and turn the flashlight on your phone right now. We're gonna make something magical happen. We're gonna send a message to the powerful people in the world that we're not alone, that we can expose them. They will not intimidate us. They will not make us afraid. Well, that was a powerful speech, huh? Do you know who that voice belongs to? That is Project Veritas founder, James O'Keefe. And this past weekend, I was on stage with him at Charlie Kirk's Turning Point USA AmFest. And it is an event an American festival um, for patriots, like-minded people that come together, and they have it every year in Phoenix, Arizona. About 10,000 people show up, and the age ranges vary, young to old. And I was on stage with my Project Veritas family, whistleblowers, and James, and that's a speech that he gave. And I am so excited because he will be joining us on the second half of this program. Super stoked about that. So what I want to talk about in this first half, though, is what made makes us different from others. Why do why did these brave whistleblowers speak out on stage? We had whistleblowers from CNN, ESPN, um, CBS, Twitter, FBI, Department of Homeland Security, Google, Facebook, HHS. I mean, there was 11 of, 11 of us up on stage. And 
why, why did we decide to come forward? We are all from different walks of life, different races, different eth- ethnicities. And we came out and we, and we were brave and we did something. That's Project Veritas's logo. Be brave, do something. And James O'Keefe is, is one of the bravest people that I've ever met. For 20 years, he has been fighting the forces of evil and exposing truth. And he has been villainized for it, as some of us have been, the, the whistleblowers that came out. And so I asked, like, what's different about us? Why did we come out? You know, and why aren't there more of us coming forward? And, you know, it, it, we have to sit and, and really look inward, guys. Look inward. Why? If we know the truth, why are we not speaking it, right? There, there's a book by Gavin DeBecker, The Gift of Fear. And it says, if you want somebody to know the truth, tell them. If you want someone to love the truth, tell them a story. And, you know, essentially, that's what I did. I, I blew the whistle and I told the story. I was, I was speaking out, you know, for a year and a half on social media and to anybody that I came in contact with and talking about the truth, but nobody wanted to hear it. You know, they, the propaganda messaging, you know, which is just mass repeated messaging with one narrative in mind. And it all has to, it all has to go back to fear, right? Fear has to be their message, their main message to get people to change, to tap into their emotional level. And so that's what my, my um, exposure did because I recorded what was happening in the hospital and essentially told the story. I said, okay, guys, you know, I've been telling you what's going on in written word, but I needed to hit them on an emotional level. And that's what my viral video that got over 5 million views in a couple of days did. But again, why, why, why me? Why did I do it? Why did these other brave whistleblowers that I was up on stage with, why did they speak out? I mean, to, to have moral courage and to be moral just in general, it's not something you can think about. You know, I'm a good person. You have to do it. And what would, what would you do if faced in a situation, how are you going to react to it? Like, do you know? I mean, for example, let's take Nazi Germany. You know, we, we all know what happened there. And, and as I'm learning about that, even growing up learning about it, I, I was like, I would never do that. I would never keep my mouth shut. I would be the ones hiding people, right? I, I would risk my life for humanity. That's what I would do. And, and it's interesting, you know, it, it makes me remember um, the, the movie, Jojo Rabbit. I took my youngest son, Benjamin, to go see that in 2019 when it came out. And he was 10 at the time. 
And the movie had featured a 10-year-old boy. He was a 10-year-old boy growing up in Nazi Germany and loved Hitler, loved him. He was his imaginary friend. And so throughout the movie, you see him having conversations with Hitler. And they make it kind of funny. It's satirical, but but it was also very deep. And the story was about, you know, this little boy that loved Hitler and he was his imaginary friend, but also talked about his mom. And at the end of the story, and the mom wound up hiding out a Jewish girl in their attic. And she dies in the movie, but he never knew. He didn't know that she was operating covertly and helping the Jews. He just wound up finding this girl in the attic and then realizing she was a Jew. And it's a great movie. You got to watch it. Great movie. But I remember when my story released a couple of years later, my now 12-year-old son said to me, do you remember when you took me to go see the Jojo Rabbit? And I said, yeah. And he goes, I had a thought when we were leaving the movie theater because the mom dies, you know, she's hung up in the middle of the town and he notices her shoes. It's it's horrific. And that's how he knows that it was his mom. And um, Benjamin said to me, I thought about that. What would my mom do? And he goes, and now I know. Now I know. And, and really that was a proud moment for me because I, I looked at that and I was like, yeah, I always thought I'd be that person. I always thought I'd be that person. And I, and I guess I was. So it's one of those things that it's like, how, how many people say that they would do the right thing, you know, but when the time comes, did they do it? And not many. You know, there, there's many nurses and doctors and medical professionals out there that know that what's happening in the hospitals was wrong. Removal of the advocate, the lack of informed consent. I mean, that was a big one, right? I mean, did the, the, the mainstream media come out and tell people, hey, listen, check this out. We got this vaccine, but normally... It takes years because we don't, we always need to know long-term safety effects, but we're seeing people dying. So we're going to rush out this experimental injection. Oh, by the way, we've never used this technology before, but we're going to give this to you and it's going to become available in December of this year. So if you want it, you can take it. We're pretty sure it's safe, but for most people, but Again, we don't know. Which which leads me to another movie. Actually, I just saw it a few nights ago. It's a Netflix documentary on the volcano. Rescue from Wakari. I'm pretty sure that's how it says. It's a, It was a volcano that erupted in 2019 in New Zealand. And 47 people were on that island when the volcano erupted. And half of them was just getting to the boat to be rescued. 
And they just jumped in the water, a lot of them, and held their breath, waiting and hoping that it would pass. But then you had a bunch of them that were right at the mouth, looking at it. And they said the steam was really what got them. Because when you looked at them, their clothes weren't singed, but their skin was. And people needed help. And what did the New Zealand government do? They stopped the emergency rescue crews. They told them to stand down, that we are not going back there. That is too dangerous, that it could explode again. And a few pilots heard that and they got in their plane and they went and they rescued the people. 21 people died, wound up dying. But a few brave pilots helped. And when they asked them, they said, well, why did you do it? And the pilot said, because it was the right thing to do. <laughs> it's the right thing to do. I mean, take a moment and consider that. How many people would put their lives in danger to save another human being? I mean, we have people that outwardly say that they would save their dog before they would save a stranger. I mean, if their moral compass isn't way off, I don't know what is. I mean, when I hear people say that, I, I mean, I call them out. I said, are you kidding me? And they're like, yeah, people suck. People suck. And, you know, I, I really, I used to think that people were inherently good before COVID. And, and how I would respond to that is like, no, people are generally good. They do the right thing. They always do. You know, most people do the right thing. Well, COVID changed me. COVID changed me. I will have to say, most people are not inherently good. Most people are selfish. Most people do not want to risk one iota of their comfortable life, their comfortable worldly possessions. And we saw that. We saw that with COVID. We saw that in every single industry. So many people knew that the policies that were put in place were not for the betterment of people, but they did it and they put their head down in the sand and wanted to remain either willfully ignorant or complicit and not speak up. Not speak up. And, and I, I just, that was a hard one. I will have to say that was a hard one for me. People say I was forced. I was forced. I had to. And I'm like, wow. You don't even know what kind of resolve you have, do you? You don't. I mean, I didn't want to leave my federal job. I can tell you all the reasons that I wouldn't want to leave that. But I did, 
And so then I sit back and I look at why did I do what I did? And when so many others were afraid to speak up, what about me? That it wasn't even a thought in my mind. I mean, guys, I got that video. I didn't tell my family or anybody. And I, and I just knew I'm, I'm going to do it come what may. I don't care if I die. I don't care if I go to jail. I don't care if they pull out every freaking fingernail and hair in my head. I had to expose it. And so it, it made me have to go back to why, why am I different? Why are people calling me a hero? Because that is still so hard for me to even repeat. To say that those words out of my mouth is, is not comfortable. And I'll tell you, it's not comfortable at all because I just did what I thought was right. And it didn't matter the consequences. And so I look back at my life and, you know, I was raised in, in the inner city of Chicago, um, about a mile away from the lake. And, and I was kicked out of two public schools by the time I was in sixth grade for fighting. And seventh grade, I had to go to a Catholic school and I got in a fight there. Luckily I graduated because <laughs> I don't know what my parents would have done. There was no other schools in the area. I kind of went through them all. Um, but yeah, so I was kicked out and I went to a high school in suburban, um, in the suburbs in Skokie and got in another fight there. And I did that because I always stood up to the bully and I stood up for myself. And now, you know, being older, I wouldn't handle it. I wouldn't fight all the time, but I mean, I just, I was one of those person or people that just did not take crap. And, you know, I was also pretty bold in, in my life. I, I never really had any fear. And, you know, I had a fake ID at 15, teenage mom at 16, married to somebody who was older than me, much older, um, had another child, was divorced by 20, out on my own with two kids. I did not have a career. I did not graduate with my nursing license until 2014. And I'm 48 years old. So it was later in life. 39 years old to be exact. And, you know, I went through a lot of hard times and a lot of struggles. And I could look back at it and say, you know what? Yeah, I, I'll go back to cleaning, you know, cleaning people's homes. I'll go back to bartending. I'll go sleep on my parents' couch. I mean, I, you know, I, there was just no way I was not going to do it. So, so you have that, um, you know, I just had lived a life of being courageous, I guess, you know? So then the other thing is our faith. My faith is so strong. As a little girl, I grew up in a Pentecostal spirit filled church right next door was a liquor store. And many times it was a small church, 10 pews on each side. Many times we'd have, you know, hookers come in, homeless people, people on drugs, 
you know, come in, sit in the back of the church and my preacher would just preach and nobody would say anything because everybody deserved to know who Jesus was and, and to be in the house of God. And so, you know, I, I just knew that that little faith, you know, that we always hear faith, the size of a mustard seed is all you need, right. To be born again. And I know being born again, sometimes, you know, people think of it's like all these, you know, holy rollers and that, but essentially all it is, is being born again of spirit and not of flesh. And so I always knew what my salvation was going to be and that I'm in this world for a short period of time. And while I'm here, I need to do good. I need to be a good person and I need to not only say things, but do things that a good person would do. And, you know, that that's the thing. It's like it's, everybody has their own perception of, of things. Well, you know, it's like, what's your own personal values? Like, how do you know how you are going to react if you never, if you weren't, never took yourself out of being uncomfortable, you know? But always, I always had, you know, the Holy Ghost inside of me, leading me. And, and that's what, you know, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is, is, you know, he is a comforter on this earth while Yeshua is up at the right hand of our father. And so my faith, you know, I have a lot of stories of that, you know, and I'll tell you one. One story, I, you know, that's coming to my head right now is, is being 21 years old. My daughter, from the time she was one month old, she was in the hospital with a high fever, almost died. And for two years of her life, she, anytime there was any kind of virus, no matter what, it would be full-blown pneumonia for her. And I, she had to have a nebulizer, a breathing treatment. And that maybe the week before, I don't remember exact, but I had taken her to church to pray for her and she got anointed with oil and everybody came up and prayed for her. She was two at the time, two and a half. And one day I was dropping her off at my mom's and I brought her in to the house and my mom said, where's her nebulizer? And I said, I threw it away. She's like, you did what? And I said, yeah, when I pulled up in front of your house and I opened up the trunk to get it, I, I had a thought that to throw it away, that I don't need it anymore. And she's like, really? And I said, yeah, and I had a lot of peace. So I walked in through the uh through the gangway and went to the back and I threw it in the garbage. It's in the back in your alley. And she's like, Oh, Jody, I don't know about that. And I said, mom, listen, telling you, I think that was God talking to me. She does not need it anymore. And she never did. Matter of fact, she rarely has gotten sick since then. And so when the voice of God talks to you and it's guiding you, but you have to ask, right? You have to ask, 
And, and that's what I did. I mean, I submitted because I knew when those planes were grounded and they said that the whole world was getting on board with this, I was like, oh, I need to pay attention to this part. Right, God? Because that was biblical for me. That was prophetic. And, and I chose to have faith over fear, which allowed me to be able to critically think and see things from not an emotional fear-based side. And, and that's what led me to do what I did. And now I ask all of you, you know, is there something in you that is telling you to do something? And do you have the discernment? Do you have a relationship with our father to know the difference? Because I'll tell you guys, I, I 100% believe that we are that we are living in the end times. Um, and, and for me, it's exciting, right? Because it's like the book of Acts. Here, the Lord is bringing his remnant together. And I saw that. I see it with Project Veritas's team. I see it almost everywhere I go. The Lord is bringing me people in my life. And I see that the remnant is gathering. I mean, we are bold. We are unafraid. We are revolutionary. We are game changers. We are game changers. And there's so many more of you out there that is being called, that are being called, and you're not answering. I need you. The world needs you. Humanity needs you to answer that call. As first Thessalonians, I'm going to read a scripture because it was laid on my heart to do this. First Thessalonians verses one, two, and four. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Praise God. We are to shine our light, guys. And that is what this show, Nurses Out Loud, on the America Out Loud talk radio platform. I, we are just so blessed that Malcolm gave us the opportunity to speak Monday through Friday, weekdays, every day, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. Eastern time. You will hear a different nurse speak and speak their truth because that is what we are to do. We are to speak our truth. And I am so excited because after this break, after this break, guys, James O'Keefe is going to join me. We'll be right back. It's time and this is 
Cold and flu season is here. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to minimize airborne viral threats? Well, now there is, and it's a povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray called Cofix RX. You might even say it's just what the doctor ordered. To reduce your chance of getting hurt, you wear a safety belt when you're driving. To limit sun damage, you wear sunscreen on the beach. Cofix RX is just like that. It's an additional layer of protection. It's sold by thousands of pharmacists and medical doctors nationwide. It's made right here in the USA. Again, it's a povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray. You've heard them talk about it here on the Outloud Network over and over again. Check out cofixrx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com for a retailer near you or use coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off at cofixrx.com. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. How the spirit of American liberty and justice is woven into the soul of America out loud. Now we invite you friends to invest some of your time with our magnificent family of experts, their minds and voices. It's all back at AmericaOutloud.com. Liberty and justice for all. James, thank you so much for being here with Great me to be today. Here. Yes, I, I, I had an amazing time with you up on stage yesterday. Yeah. And you brought up something talking about the heroes and that there's giants among us. What do you think separates people from standing up and those who tend to do nothing? I mean, because we've seen it in every industry selfishness, sacrifice. I mean, you all, you, you, you're one of 11 people on stage. You guys actually, and gals, actually gave something up. You sacrificed something. And you, and you followed the person who came before. I think you were inspired by one of the people who came before you. And someone was inspired by you. And um, Tara at HHS was inspired by Kyle. Right. She didn't know it was Kyle. It was just a shadowy FBI source. I think it's sacrifice. I think it's giving something up. Skin in the game, proverbially speaking, you 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 have to give something up, and it's hurt. And it's painful, and people respect that. In you know, in an ephemeral world where people are just up there talking about whatever, and making money, you hear the word grift a lot in politics. There's no grift. You guys, you guys feel pain. I mean, Kyle told me the story about. It lost his house and lives with his parents. Yeah, yeah, they moved in. Yeah, I mean, that's powerful. And you don't really see a lot of that in politics, do you? Or really anywhere. No. You might see it in the military to a certain extent, but you don't You don't see it in Washington, D.C., but you saw it on stage. And you're one of those loved people. It's very powerful. Yeah, I mean, when I decided to that I was going to record and blow the whistle, 
Um, that that was just something I, I didn't care. It was a come what may kind of feeling. I didn't care if I lost my job. I didn't care if I lost my nursing license. I didn't care if I had to go move in with my parents again. Do you know what I mean? I didn't care. I had to do what was right. So some people would call that moral courage, doing what's right when you're surrounded by wrong. Now you are surrounded by a lot of evil forces, essentially. I mean, your your whole Project Veritas is an investigative journalist organization. Your goal is to expose that evil. How do you handle that? How do you how do you still smile and, and move on every day? By focusing on the joy and the vision of the project to reveal things in a visual way, which is quite a lot of fun. I mean, we, we are more of an artistic endeavor to illuminate, to revelation, reveal what's going on. That's very rewarding. That's very enjoyable. It is very painful at times. I said that on stage. Is it, is it scary yet? It can sometimes be quite terrifying. And if you focus on the terror, if you focus on the fear, then you're going to get an outcome that's different than if you have faith. And faith, I've learned, is the opposite of fear. So, um, there are moments that are tough. There are days that are tough. You experience this pain for a little while, and then you wake up the next day and put your pants on one leg at a time and go back to work. And then there are moments of extreme triumph and extreme joy. Like, uh, and, and where we, we, we literally can sit here laughing about these moments, Jody. I mean, the Twitter guy running down the street. Right. With Gavin filming him. How about that? Remember yeah. that? You were laughing. That was the, hilarious. The, the butt plug guy. <laughs> I mean, it's horrible what he did and he right. ran into a school, but it's funny as hell. Yeah. And it's enjoyable to expose these, these creeps, these fraudsters, these liars. So you, you tend to blend, because I know that you have a, an amazing creative side, singing, dancing, acting. So in a sense, it's like you're blending that all to tell a story. Yeah. Yeah. Storytelling. Storytelling. Storytelling is what we lack in society. Um, and we lack it in, uh, I think on the right, people on the right, conservatives are generally pretty horrible storytellers. People on the left are very good at storytelling. And, uh, and in politics, there's sort of an artifice. There's a lack of authenticity. You see these people give these speeches and what do they really believe? Who are they really inside? Right. Um, so we need more authenticity, we need more storytelling. I don't even think that we're, this is a political mission ostensibly. I think it's a journalism mission. Um, you, you just need more storytelling all across the board. Well, and you know, you said like um, courage is contagious, but so is fear. That's true. Right? It's very true. And so, I mean, there, I think the difference is, is what are we choosing to focus on? Are we going to focus on fear or are we going to focus on, on, you know, being thankful and being joyful? And I, and I once heard somebody say, like, it's impossible. The human brain cannot be angry if it's being thankful. So if you're constantly just looking at whatever situation you're in and trying to see the bright side of it and being thankful for the blessings, you know, that you, the joy in it, then it's impossible to be angry. It's very, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that fear is contagious as much as 
courage is, is a very profound point. And uh, I, I'm always confronted with fear-based thinking. And the thing about fear-based thinking is that you can make some pretty bad decisions when you're driven by fear, which is kind of counterintuitive. You think, well, you're going to be cautious, you're going to be okay because you're cautious. When in actuality, sometimes being overly cautious can get you into more trouble. Um, and one of the remarkable things about Kyle, the FBI whistleblower, yeah. is that he's taken on, I mean, he's taken on the FBI. He talks about it quite openly on Dan Bongino's show now and, and on Twitter. Good. And, and they haven't yet come after him. Um, and it could be because he's he, he seems to be outsmarting them with his approach. And I can give you a similar a similar story where when I was raided, you know, conventional wisdom would say, don't say a word about any of this. I said, I'll have nothing to hide. I'll tell you exactly what happened. And and thank God that I did that because within minutes of me doing that, the, the, the story would actually happen this diary made the New York Times and everything because they wanted to know what I had to say. Sometimes when you defy conventional wisdom and you defy the forces of conformity and compliance and you do what's right, it actually ends up protecting you That's right. um, in some cases. So, so fear it can be a dangerous thing. It is. I think when people operate out of fear, they, they lose the ability to critically think and to analyze, you know, they because they're just operating off of one emotion and in their life in danger or whatever the case may be. The, oh, I'm going to lose my job if I speak out. I'm not going to have friends or, or this and that. And they're, you know, it is counterintuitive. Let me ask you a question. I saw on um, Instagram you had posted about being at the gala. Yep. Uh huh. And you're standing out there, <laughs> literally a couple of feet away from all of these angry people calling you a racist yep. and, and every, you know, white supremacist and all of this. And, and I saw you just standing there still talking to them yep. and, and trying to reason with them. Yep. I mean, that was. That was, I, I attempted dialogue, I suppose, and there was one moment, you know, because there's a lot to say about this. I mean, in society today, no one has a dialogue. You know, I did a similar thing outside the New York Times with, where I dressed as Santa Claus, if you saw that, and New York Times reporter came out and refused to acknowledge me. It was almost like I was the other. He was very adept at acknowledge my colleague, try to get his name, but he refused to acknowledge my existence. So, so much of it is like trying to actually talk to someone. That's that's so much of our mission. That's why I chase yeah. people down the street with a microphone at the New York Times, and they don't ever acknowledge my humanity. So at this event, I'm in New York City outside of Park Avenue Gala, Republican Gala, which I was a guest of. They had all these people screaming words, Nazi. You know. So I said, "Hey, what? What is one thing we've lied about?" And that guy goes, "What?" It was almost like this. He's asking me a question. And they'll say, yeah, what, what, name one thing Project Grand has published that is not true. Because you can attack us for covertly filming or, you know, blah, blah, blah. But what's something that we've published that wasn't true? Yeah. And he goes, well, Acorn was a lie. I'm like, which part? Right. Which part was a lie? <laughs> he said, I said I was a pimp. I was undercover. I'm not actually a pimp. But which part of the story was a lie? That what they said. Yeah. And he just said, I'm not going to go back and forth and play a cat and mouse game with you. <laughs> I was trying to talk to these people. I was trying to talk to them. And what's interesting is that we want to talk. 
I will talk to anybody anytime. Jody, I'm getting tired of talking to people on the right, though. Yeah. I want to talk to people on the left. I'm tired. That's one of the reasons I was just talking to you before the camera. I said, you know, God, 37 people asked me to do an interview yesterday. First of all, I only had a couple hours. I, I, I could choose a couple, but I want to talk to people who don't. When people who say you're a Nazi, I want to talk to them. Yes. Let's have a conversation about that. What, what have I ever done in my life? I mean, of course, that's, that's absurd. Right. I mean, you've spent your you've spent your whole life essentially trying to find the truth and, and expose the truth. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, I just don't. You know, I did what I did. Yes, but you know, that was that moment in time. I mean, you lived this. You live this 24 hours a day, essentially. You probably dream about it. And this has been going on for over a decade. I mean, I have been, um, I have been involved in this for 20 years since I started a newspaper in college. I'm 38, so 18 years old, 19 years old. I, I worked on my, my student newspaper and turned it into something, a monthly magazine. And... It has always been a passion project. It has always been a labor of love. I think in the last year and a half, it's been become a little more terrifying in the sense that the Twitter ban was probably the wake up for me. It might sound ironic. Because everyone was always saying that was gonna happen. I kind of I kind of thought, oh, that's, that's I'm not saying anything bombastic, I'm not right. uh, lying. A lot of people on Twitter say bombastic things. They like to opine. Mm -hmm. So that was the Twitter. Twitter ban was the wake up call for me. With things as like, whoa, that this is serious. Like, this is really serious yeah. now because they they chopped off the main distribution mechanism. But however, we, we got distribution by proxy, as you know. And our stories were distributed by you and others. You came out. We weren't even on Twitter when your story came out. Right, we were trending number one. Number one, and your story was six million views on YouTube. You raised. Four or five hundred thousand dollars on Give Send Go. Um, those are remarkable numbers. Those yeah. are impressive numbers. And in a couple days. Yep. Essentially, I mean that's how thirsty Americans are for the truth. So speaking of Twitter and speaking to the right, because I'm, I'm with you. I'm done. Like I don't want to be going up. I, I go up on stage and talk to people and do that for motivation. Yeah. Right. Hope for hope to give them because they see that I did something and it's rare, right? And it's and, it, and I've realized how rare it actually is. So that's why I do it. I don't go on, I wanna be involved in these tours that continually just talk, you know, what, what's in an echo chamber. Well, if you wanna make money, you know, you can, you, I suppose you can, you can raise some money, but people are increasingly uh, becoming rightfully cynical about the, the importance of these things mm -hmm. um, and, it, and it's tough if you're speaking to someone who doesn't agree with you it's tough to monetize that it's, it's you're speaking to someone on the left uh, but I think there's a market for that sort of thing I think that I think that Veritas is going to do some stories like we did the story on education in Connecticut you may have seen yes the, the attorney general launched a civil rights bill because this Good. principle is saying we don't hire people at the age of 30. I think we can all agree that's wrong. You, it's shouldn't, wrong. you shouldn't discriminate. Everything you, know? you everything you expose is wrong. I know. And so, you know, having said that with Twitter, are you thinking about re-releasing um, yeah. stories? Yeah. Or, you know, yes. our exposures? <coughs> Definitely. So, we're going to be recycling some old content. The first thing we're going to recycle is the Twitter chase <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> down the street. 
That's that one is good. <laughs> we're always, I mean, we have so much of a body of work, Jody, that we're going to be releasing it. But I, I really want to say that I admire you, and I know it's not easy, and I haven't yet figured out the solution to help our whistleblowers. Um, we talked about this a little off-camera with um, April Moss yesterday, just the, the sheer amount of litigation cost that we have to go yeah. through, um, and, the, and how expensive lawyering is, which is one of the reasons why people stopped doing what I did 30, 40 years ago, is because the lawyer costs the litigation is really painful. Yeah. Um, I don't know the solution to that. I'm a non-profit, so that's sort of a semi-solution because you can receive donations, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. And, and it's and it's. I think it can be sustained as long as you. You may not be able to litigate every single battle to the end. You may have to settle some, uh, some nuisance lawsuits, mm-hmm. but on some things you have to fight to the end. Um, but that's that's a tough one, and. That's why what you guys do is so heroic. And you, you really, what you did yesterday, and even at the party, when you gave those remarks while I was shuffling, I saw, I don't know if you've seen the videos, but. I didn't want to look at it. I woke up this morning and I was like, oh my God, I was on, I had the microphone and I said something and I don't even, you know, like one of those, you know, you wake up in the morning after a few drinks. No, it was, it was, it was, <laughs> but it was, it was cool. Yeah, we were having a good time. We were dancing. I mean, what does this have to do with, truth well you gotta have a good time yes and some you know left-wing journalist who goes james you know how they do it they say the most they say the statement that has no texture to it to try to get your ratio so that everyone comments oh what a dork he said james o'keefe is shuffle video of james o'keefe shuffle dancing and 80 percent of the comments were negative but then like 20 percent of the comments were like he's not that bad like i can't do that <laughs> Right, no. So, you're out. You're in the background giving a speech, um, like just a pep talk rally. Like, oh, James is dancing and we're having a good time. This is great. And you have to remember, like, you, you know, you're all up there. You're all up there. You know, it was cool. I mean, the, you we packed the place, right? It sold was sold out. Sold out. Everybody came. Sold out. I, it was so much fun. I mean, I think. You know, community-wise, you know that's where it's nice to to be together and experience the joy when we have. Did you get some good feedback? I did. People loved it. Well, you know what? Actually, you know, talking about that in January when I was um, in there for your book, um, The Muckraker, which will be on um, the America Out Loud bookstore, guys. We're we're gonna put that on there as well. Um, But that's after I met everybody and that type of a setting. You know, not on stage speaking. Right. You know, right. I actually mingled with people and heard their personal stories. Is when I decided, okay, I can see where I probably should write a book, and yeah. um, and it's because we need to we need to reach people and, and tell them. I mean, I'm just going to tell them how my journey of faith essentially yeah. got me through what I what I'm doing, and I think that's the same with a lot of our whistleblowers, right? Yeah, one of you said to me in San Antonio when I interviewed you that time, um, you said something to the effect of, I don't see anybody, you see anybody else doing this? It's very powerful. That's what I remember is when you said, Oh, when I said, you see any other federal employees coming forward? And then you said, I fear God, not man. That just really touched me. I've had a lot of spiritual, things that have happened since I even saw you that day and 
I think that it's a lot of good versus evil in the world. And journalism, by the way, since it's since it was, has been a thing in the 20th century, has always been about finding villains, yeah. exposing evil doers and bad actors. That's what journalists do. They expose villains, mm-hmm. behaving villainous. But that begs the question, what is right and wrong? Is there a right and wrong? Where does that boundary lie? Well, what's your moral compass? What's your moral compass? In Chicago, the guy was giving out butt plugs to girl, little underage girls. Okay. The Chicago Tribune edited that part out and said O'Keefe goes after LGBT. Right wing extremist organizations. It has nothing to do with LGBT. I don't care about that. It was about giving, it's, it's like, it could be in some jurisdictions a criminal act to give an object like that. Yes. To an underage girl. Okay, well that's newsworthy, obviously. But they but they manipulate the language and they distort and they use hyperbole and they say attack LGBT. You don't quote attack people by quoting right. them. So that that part can be spiritually dark. Mm-hmm. And the litigation can be spiritually dark. Yes. So James, I, I sincerely want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for having giving me an outlet in order to expose the corruption within HHS, IHS. I, there was nowhere for me to turn, you know? They weren't listening to what I was saying. And you were the only organization that I trusted. And it was weird because I had just started following you maybe a couple months prior to that. That's right. Well, yeah. How did you find Veritas? Um, because I was looking for the truth. But I, what, what did you? How did you contact this initially? I sent the email and yeah, proton. Yeah, proton uh, Veritas tips at protonmail.com. It's the easiest process to do. I mean, you literally can just upload everything right there. It's a super fast. Do you live in? Do you um, live in New Mexico still? No, I live here. You live in Phoenix. Sorry, Phoenix. Yeah. Do you, for some reason, I thought it was Mexico. Um, do, you, do you guys have those commercials, cars for kids, ever on the radio? No. Uh, maybe it's a New York thing. I don't know. It's like one eight seven seven cars for kids. A A R S cars for kids. So it's like Veritas tips at Proton, Proton Mail. Mail. Donate your tips today. Yeah. So so you must have seen the Veritas tips in the in the lower third of the video. Oh, that's how I saw Highline. it. Yes. It was yep. In the video. It was in the in the video. It's remarkable how these things originate. Like a mm-hmm. seed is planted. Yeah. So Jody. It's an honor to, to see you again. It, it's it's an honor to have you here on stage. You inspired a lot of people. People were touched by your presentation and your, your words on stage last night at the party. Um, and you inspired people to come after you and do everything in my power to help these people. You know, do everything in my power to tell their stories. Yeah. About to head to one right now where I'm going to do another one. Yes, <laughs> you are. You're always, always going. going. Uh, All thank right. you. Thanks, Jody. I appreciate you, James. All right. Oh, what a powerful episode. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. I really love being around courageous people that don't operate out of fear. You know, I I say all the time, when you stand up to the bully, you will win. And it's so important for us to use our voices. Words are so powerful. They're so powerful. I mean, in the Bible, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word tabernacled with God. And like I I, I tell people all the time, our words have power. 
their energy going forth into the world. And so we need to choose our words carefully, right? And with James talking, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't attack people. He exposes them. And like he said, it's enjoyable to expose these creeps. I I 100% believe that. It's, it's one of those things where when we know our boundaries, like our moral compasses and what's right and what's wrong. And, and really, and a lot of times people ask me, well, the left thinks they're right. So why are you saying they're wrong? And I said, it's easy. Look at the energy. Look at the energy that they put forth. Is it, is it love, love and kindness and unity and community and caring? No, it's a lot of coercion, bullying, harassment, not honoring people's autonomy. We all have an individual right to choose, especially when it comes to an experimental medication right? We have a right to choose if we get up every day and we go to work. Everything that's happened to our country and to this world for the last three years, if you can't look back at it and, and see how the propaganda messaging created that element of fear, and like I told you earlier, all of the mental, economic, crisis, crises that were created. I mean, it's impactful. And our, and our world is suffering. These dark forces that, and people standing down, because like James said, they're afraid to put skin in the game. They're selfish. They don't want to sacrifice anything. And, and we have to stop. We, we have got to come together. But one of the other phrases or statements that he made, I should say, that really spoke to me was getting tired of talking to people on the right. I'm tired of speaking to the people that already know what's up. You know, I do that to encourage them and empower them. And like James, he he does, you know, have the interviews and and he meets with people because he knows that his presence and what he's done gives them hope. But we want to talk to people that don't believe like us. We want to have a conversation and we can have conversations. We have our first amendment and we need to use it and we need to choose our faith because it's the opposite of fear. Anything that makes you fearful you have to pay attention to. That's what I always say. If what's the message that's being put out? If it's fear, then that's designed to hit you on an emotional level and make you not and lose the ability to critically think through a situation. I mean, God is my compass. And that's that's who I, you know. Oh, all of my allegiance to, if you will. He created me and he created all of us for such a time as this. 
Oh, you guys, I wish you the, the most amazing Christmas that is happening this weekend. And Hanukkah is being celebrated. That's what I do with my family um, as a Messianic believer. But that's all the time we have for today, friends. But remember, we are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with a different nurse host daily. Please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses. As we walk through all of these hot topics, we will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and that is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Jody O'Malley, and you can find me here every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please be sure to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We must all do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. This is Nurses Out Loud. We are six nurses brought together, bound by ethical principles, and our mission to protect the heart, souls, mind, and body of humanity. The last three years have changed us in different ways. Nurses Emily and Cami sued their nursing school over tyrannical vaccine mandates and won in federal court. Nurse April designed human body simulators to teach people disease processes. Nurse Michelle helped thousands obtain early treatment and taught about protocols put forth by brave doctors. Nurse Kimberly created a network of nurses to function within a parallel system aimed at providing holistic care. And I blew the whistle on the federal government for underreporting of vaccine mandates and lack of informed consent. Evil ran rampant, but it has been exposed. We are six strong nurses, not afraid to engage in this battle. We want to empower and encourage others to do the same. We are in a war for the truth. We're putting out a bounty on the real misinformation and exposing the purveyors of propaganda. Join us weekdays with a different nurse host daily. No topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness. It's time in this city.